it doesn't come as a surprise to you because you see it, you hear it even in the secular media, how our culture and our generation is so characterized by a drive for instant gratification. In fact, if you look at the social policies that are coming out, whether in the school system or elsewhere, they all seem designed and planned for accommodating more and more and more to that drive by lowering the standards. Instead of training the younger generation in the power of self-control, we continuously are lowering our standards. But you know, just in case you think this is a phenomenon that affects us in the West or just our generation, not many years ago I read a story that comes out of Africa that will show you how insidious the lust for power and for instant gratification is. There is a certain tribe in Africa where they have a, a practice of choosing a king to rule for seven years, but at the end of that seven years, he had to be killed. During the seven-year reign, that given king has absolute power, absolute authority. He has uh, no limit to his indulgence. Uh, uh, In fact, uh, he has no limit to his power except for one thing, and that is he cannot change this custom of killing the king after seven years. Now, you would think with this type of arrangement (laughs) that there are not many candidates for the job. But believe it or not, there always have been an overabundance of candidates who are vying for that job. Obviously, there were many people who preferred seven years of absolute indulgence and power than a long life. And if that thought makes you cringe, you're not the only one. Here's the truth. There are so many people in our society, in our culture, and in the West in general, who live just like that. They live for the moment. They grab for the gusto. They seek temporary mirage of power. They do not think of the consequences. They do not even plan for the long term. They never give any thought to their eternity and where they will spend their eternity. Someone said, Power can intoxicate just like alcohol, but alcohol intoxication you can recover from, but power you cannot recover from. It intoxicates you for good. And and you don't need me to tell you that we have many politicians today who are like this. They're intoxicated with power. In fact, Margaret Thatcher said about power, she said, being powerful is like being a lady. If you have to announce it, and if you have to tell people that you are, then you're not. (laughs) We are in the third of three-part series on taking authority, looking at the model of our Lord Jesus Christ when He was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. There's three temptations, and how He took authority over Satan in the times of temptation in the wilderness. These three temptations took place right after a great victory. You remember when Jesus was baptized at the River Jordan, and there God the Father, in the voice of God the Holy Spirit, affirmed that God the Son, He said, This is my beloved Son. Hear the crowd standing on the edge of the river, watching Jesus being baptized. Hear that voice from heaven thundering, saying, This 
is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. He is saying, this is it. I have no other plan. He is my plan for salvation. He is the one. Without Him, no salvation. Without Him, there is no heaven. And after that great victory, Jesus goes into the wilderness, and there He fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, where He spends time communing with the Father, in intimacy with the Father. And at the very end of that glorious time with the Father, Satan comes in and tempts Jesus in three ways. Pleasure, popularity, and power. We saw the first two, and today we'll look at the third and the last one. But before I get there, there is something of uttermost importance that you must understand about temptation. And when you understand this, you will understand all the temptations that you and I face every single day. Remember this. There were no one in the wilderness other than Jesus and Satan. Matthew, Luke, John, Mark, they were not there to record this. How did they know about this? Jesus told them about it. It came out of His holy lips. He told them what happened. Why? Because He wants to make sure that every one of His followers do not live a defeated life, but like Him, take authority over Satan and defeat him every time. In fact, the Bible said that He was tempted in every way and yet without sin. And that is why I told you at the very beginning that every temptation that you and I face, they have to come under one of those three headings, pleasure, popularity, and power. And that means there is no temptation that you have ever faced in the past, or even you're facing now, or that you'll ever face in the future, that Jesus had not faced. None. In fact, the same text, Hebrews 2.18, tells us that because he himself suffered when he was tempted. Did you get that? Say amen. You see, there is suffering in temptation. There's a great deal of suffering. But oh, how sweet the victory when you have the victory over Satan's temptation. He said because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. What does that mean? Listen carefully. It means that none of us, None of us can ever look to heaven and say to God, God, you don't know what I'm going through. God, you don't feel the pain that I am feeling. God, you don't understand the pressure that I'm under. God, you don't know the suffering that is involved in my situation. No one can say that. No one. Why? Because you will hear the sweet voice of Jesus coming back at you and saying, I have experienced more pain, more suffering, more resistance, more rejections, more temptations, more pressure than you will ever know in ten lifetimes. Let me ask you this. Are you going through the pain of rejection and you're tempted to react with anger? Hear the voice of Jesus to say to you, I have experienced rejection by the nearest and the dearest. Are you going through the pain of injustice and unfairness? Hear the sweet voice of Jesus to say to you, I have experienced far more injustice than you'll ever know. Are you experiencing physical pain in your body? 
hear the sweet voice of Jesus saying, I have experienced the tearing of my flesh and the tearing of my limbs without the benefit of anesthesia or even painkillers. Are you experiencing false accusations? Are you experiencing being unfairly maligned? Hear the voice of Jesus saying, being perfect, sinless, holy, righteous, Son of God, they accuse me of being demon-possessed. Are you experiencing temptation to try to cook the books and take the easy way out? Hear His sweet voice saying, I was offered the biggest shortcut that's ever known, but I resisted, and I took the power. I've experienced temptations to do my thing, to presume on the Father for instant gratification. I've been there. I know how you feel, but I've given you my authority. I have given you authority to defeat Satan. Beloved, the reason many Christians are living defeated lives is because they have never comprehended that incredible authority that Jesus has, and He has passed unto every one of us. Some time ago, somebody asked me a question about these three temptations of Jesus in the wilderness, and, and the question is really a legitimate one. They said, why did Jesus talk to Satan? Why did he even bother spending time talking? to why, why did he lead him on and let him go on and tempt him like this? Why didn't he just say to him, buzz off, Satan, I don't want to talk to you? <laughs> and the answer is very simple, and I already gave you a partial answer, because he wanted to show us how to take authority and defeat him in every area of life, every time. Now I get to my text. I always get to my text. Turn with me, please, to Matthew 4, beginning at verse 8. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came to attend to him. The very first temptation, Satan tried to get Jesus to use his divine power to serve himself. When that did not work, so he came to the second temptation, and he tried to tempt him to force the Father's hand to presume on on the Father's grace and use his power for the Son. And so, after he failed miserably twice, finally, Satan tips his hand. Let me tell you something. Resist him long enough, he will tip his hand. Take it from me. (laughs) He will always tip his hand. He finally reveals exactly what he's after, the very purpose of his existence. And that is, he's trying to induce Jesus to worship him. (laughs) You see, that's Satan's ultimate goal. If he can get a person to turn away from worshiping Jesus alone and being committed to Jesus alone, and nobody would share Jesus on the throne of our hearts, if he can get a person just a little bit move away from that, he's halfway to getting that person to worship him. If these false preachers and false teachers who are grabbing the headlines these days succeed in convincing people that Jesus is a way and not the way, then Satan is halfway getting them to worship Him. He's halfway there. 
And here in the third temptation, Satan pulls the mask off his face, and he lets us know the truth about him. In every temptation of every kind, he has one ultimate goal. He will go nibbles around the edges. He will try all the other things. He knows you're Achilles' heels, and he come in and, and start harassing you in whatever area you're struggling with. But the ultimate purpose is that he wants to be worshipped. Remember, that was the very thing that threw him out of the heavens. <laughs> Don't forget that he was the angel of light, Lucifer, who was serving in the throne room of God, but he was so jealous of God, envious of God, and he wanted to take God's place, and he and the third of the angelic being were thrown out of heaven. He wanted to unseat God so he could be worshipped. So that's the ultimate goal. That's exactly what he wants. Everything else leads there, and that is the one thing he craves the most. How did this third temptation happen? Well, when the Bible talks about high mountain, the idea is that uh, supernaturally they were in a place where they could see all of planet earth. They could see Egypt with all of its treasures. They could see Rome with all of its might. They could see Athens with all of its monuments. They could see Corinth with its magnificence. They could see the royal city of David with all of its glory. And hear what Satan said to him. He said, Jesus, I can give you all of that now. See, now is the operative word. Let me tell you a secret about Satan. Now is his word. I'll give it to you now. Now. Satan knew <laughs> that it's all Jesus's anyway, but not before the cross. You see, Satan knew. He heard with his own ears the voice of the Father. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He knew that it is a plan of God before the foundation of the earth for Jesus to be the King of kings, but not before Calvary. Satan knew that Jesus is crowned to be the Lord of all lords, but not before Gethsemane. See, he knew that, and that is why he says, now, instant power, instant gratification, now, Jesus, wouldn't you want to take it now? Why wait for what is rightfully yours? You and I know it's yours. Take it now. Why follow the Father's plan when you can circumvent the process? Jesus, you deserve to have it now. Jesus, you've already done enough. You already have done too much. You have already left the glories of heaven and came in the form of a man. <laughs> Jesus, you don't have to submit to the Father as a servant when you can be king right now. Oh, Jesus, I'm only offering you what the Father already has promised you. Jesus, don't you know that it was prophesied about you in Psalm 2.8, Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. Beloved, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Because it happens in your life and in mine every time. What the Father promised the Son to get for His righteous obedience— Satan is now offering it. Now, he can't give it. He's offering it to him 
through unrighteous disobedience. Have you ever been there? Have you ever heard His miserable voice offering you what is yours for obedience to the Word of God and try to get you to grab for it through disobedience? Why you wait till marriage? You get it now. Why wait to be blessed through faithful stewardship? Do some creative financing. Why do you wait for God's timing to take place? Take matters into your own hand. Do it now. Grab it now. Experience it now. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, once said that the greatest of anyone's power is in the measure of his surrender. Now, the world will never understand that. Then the only power we have is the surrender to the Lord. This is where he really blindsided those of us who know and love the Lord Jesus. This is how he blindsided us. There is nothing that Satan can offer us, nothing, that can even come close to what is yours in Jesus Christ. Nothing. He offers you wealth through crooked means. (laughs) The billions of the universe, all are yours in Jesus. He offers you some temporary power. We're going to be sitting on thrones and judge the universe. Is He offering you some momentary pleasure? We're going to experience unimaginable, pure, holy pleasures in heaven. What Satan offers you in order to get you to compromise your faith is not really much of an offer. It really isn't. And you've got to start seeing through that. If Jesus is the Savior of your soul and the Lord of your life, then you have untold riches, unspeakable joy, power and splendor all yours. But not now. Not now. Our best life is yet to come. It's yet to come. That's the whole gospel. That is the core of the gospel. That's why Jesus came from heaven. That's why he died on a cross. That's why he rose again. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. And if you read the Scripture carefully, you're going to find that every time, it never misses, every time, somebody jumped the gun, did not wait, for God's timing. Every time someone moved in disobedience, every time somebody was tempted by the shiny, glamorous, glittery one, not only caused heartache to themselves, but to everybody around them. To everybody around them. Read it in the Scripture. God promised Abraham and Sarah a son from their bodies. So they waited, and they waited, and they waited some more. Nothing happening. I'm convinced Satan probably came to Abraham and said, Abraham, (laughs) it's getting too late, old buddy. It's getting too late. You're getting old. (laughs) Abraham, probably you have not heard God right. Sarah is not getting any younger. 
No doubt he went to Sarah and he said to her, he said, now, look, girl. <laughs> You're drying up like a prune here. What are you waiting for? It is perfectly acceptable in your culture of the day. Everybody does it. Give him a concubine. Let him produce an heir so he can keep his name. God is not going to keep his promise. The Bible said that Sarah sold it to Abraham, and Abraham did not resist. Had Sarah and Abraham said, Satan, get out of here. God promised us a son from our bodies, and he will keep his word. Satan, we are going to wait for God's timing. Satan, we're going to hold on to God's promises. But Abraham did not. And here we are in the 21st century. (laughs) We're paying for that sin of not waiting. I thought of how the sons of Aaron, the high priest, when God sends the fire every time to take the sacrifice, and one day He delayed, and they would not wait for God's fire to come down and lick the sacrifice. They lit their own fire and ended up in a disaster. Every time. Now is Satan's operative word. Listen, whatever Satan offers you, he can't give you anything, but whatever he offers you is always a counterfeit. Always a counterfeit. It's an imitation of what God really has in store for you. And Satan's price looks cheap in the beginning, but the back pay is hefty. Someone here might be asking the question, well, how can Satan offers the whole earth to Jesus. How could he own the earth to be able to even offer it to Jesus? Well, it's a good question. It really is a great question. I want to explain it to you. When God established the earth, He gave the property deeds of the earth to Adam. He said, now you are the CEO. <laughs> you are the chairman of the board. You are in charge. You are it. It's mine, and I'm giving it to you. Here are the deeds. He handed him the deeds of the earth. When Adam fell for Satan's lie, when Adam fell for Satan's temptation and would not take authority and resist, he forfeited that dominion over the earth. He surrendered not only his birthright, he surrendered the property deed of planet earth to Satan. Satan knew that the earth is Jesus, but after the cross, not before. Jesus, the second Adam, the last Adam, was going to arrest that property deed from Satan's hand, but only after Gethsemane. And that is why he was doing everything possible to stop Jesus from going to the cross. You see, the power is in the cross of Jesus. For Satan knew that after the cross, he is toast. Satan knew that the cross will expose him as the usurper who he is. Uh, The cross will defeat him and depose him. The cross will spell an end to his reign. The cross will give Jesus' followers the authority to defeat him every time and everywhere. And that is why the third temptation, what Satan was trying to do, he was doing his dauntest in order to save his hide. He knew it's over once Jesus 
gone to the cross. That is why Jesus finally said, Away, Satan. The commandment said, You shall worship the Lord your God and Him alone. You see, Satan knows that every human being has ever lived and will ever live will have to worship someone or something. Everybody does. You have to worship something or someone. And that is why he got millions of people worshiping him. Now, they may not call it that. They may not know that, but they are worshiping him. Everybody's got to have a God, whether it's a thing or a person. Philippians 3.19, Paul said that there are some whose God is their appetite. In Matthew 6.24, Jesus said there are some whose God is mammon. That's their God. We know there are some people who worship themselves. They are their own gods, and they are abundant in our culture. You see it in the commercial. Oh, it may be expensive, but you're worth it. They're forever worshiping themselves, their ideas, their thoughts, their philosophies, their way of life. But listen, here's how you can take the test. Whoever occupies the majority of your time, your talent, and your treasure is your God. Whomever you love and obey with all of your heart, that's your God. But for those who love the Lord Jesus… Those who worship Jesus alone, Satan is forever holding the shiny one, the glittery one, the glamour one, and says, come and get it. Come and get it. Don't be surprised. Just take authority in Jesus' name, in the power of the blood that's shed on that cross. If you want to be happy, come and get it. If you want to gratify your desires, come and get it. If you want to get it all, just come and get it now. If you want to experience real life, come and get it. But you and I are given authority not only to be able to see through these lies, but to take that authority in Jesus' name and defeat Him every time, every time, every time. Amen. Father, what a great God you are. I don't know how to thank you, Lord for your graciousness, for your mercy. Lord Jesus, you went to that cross willingly because you knew it is obedience to the Father, to the cross, followed by the resurrection, is going to be your rightful place to be called King of kings and Lord of lords. And we honor you today and we glorify you as our King, the King of our lives and the King of our businesses and the King of our homes and the King of our church. Lord Jesus, we honor you in this place for you are the only King that we want to worship. You're the only King we want to love with all of our hearts. You're the only King that we want to obey, Father. And we rejoice in who you are, Lord Jesus. Thank you for giving us that authority that we know we cannot live a defeated life because of that authority. And for that we rejoice. Give God glory. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.